Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So we are continuing our 360 series, and uh, if, you're, if you haven't been a part of it for a while, it's a good time to jump in, and it's about how we look at ourselves and see how we can become effective ministers, or much rather, that God has invested so much inside of us, it just takes us to look at ourselves to see how we can invest into the world around us, so we can actually, we have something inside us to give, and, and I really love this series, it's, it's really kind of like kind of like, you know, returning the church back to its foundation of how it grows in the first place, how it moves in the first place. And it's like, and I, I love that and I'm really enjoying the series. So um, tonight where I'm going to go is Acts chapter 2. Ooh. Acts chapter 2. Um, it's a part of scripture that has always fascinated me as a leader, as a believer. The first time I read it, I've just been blown away by the whole journey from Acts 1 to Acts 28. And, and um, a few weeks ago, I spoke from um, the subject of uh, 360 revival and how Jesus, he, he speaks to um, the, um, the disciples for the first time. And he uses Simon Peter's boat and he tells them to launch out into the deep. And this is the um, book of Acts now, written by the same person. And we're going to journey together to see what we can um, learn from this text. And so it's in Acts chapter 2 and verse is 40 I'm going to read from. I'm going to read a few verses from there and then we'll get into it tonight. So it starts from verse 40 and with many other words, this is, um, so just to set a little bit of context, um, after Jesus has ascended now, he, um, but before he ascends, he tells the um, disciples, wait in this place and you will receive power and you'll be my witnesses um, to Jerusalem, Judea, um, Samaria and all of these areas. And then the Holy Ghost falls and they're all speaking in different languages and it just happens to be a day when many people are coming to, uh, to town to visit. And then they're like, I hear my language, what's going on here? Then Peter preaches a sermon saying this, we're not drunk because it's only 9am, the Bible's funny. <laughs> so it's only 9am we're not drunk but this is what the prophet Joel said and he's like this in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your old men will dream dreams your young men shall see visions and so many were moved and now we come to verse 14 with many other vo- words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation then those who gladly received his word were baptized And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wow. Upon one message, 3,000, without amplification, without any PA, without any pre-worship, you know, it was just 3,000, bang, right? That's awesome. And then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were were together, had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Father God, 
Lord, we respond to your word tonight, Lord, with, with thanksgiving. We receive what you want to do in, in our hearts tonight, God. Lord, let us be, not be a moment, Lord, where we just come to, to church, but rather we come to be transformed. We come to see who you've really made us to be, who you've made us to be as individuals and as a church, God. Lord, I pray that your spirit inhabits each and every word that is spoken, and Lord, that you speak uniquely and clearly to each and every one of us, so then we will never be the same, and we will live with increase influence and favor in our lives in jesus name and everyone said amen amen Amen. um i don't know if you're like me but there's a lot of things in life that you underestimate and one of these things right i i've underestimated for example how many times you would have to change a baby's nappy like i i think i thought like okay, how much do i go to the toilet and i kind of think okay just just put that in a smaller person but i've quickly found out that i isn't true at all um and it's just like i i change nappies more than i eat or at least one of us does and and it's and it's just like one of these things i un, over or underestimate i underestimate how um how quickly money can come out of the bank and and how quickly um, I sparkling water needs to be replenished in my fridge because now my wife loves sparkling water. So every couple of days we have to get like six liters of sparkling water. And it's like, I have not, I just underestimate how fast she can go through these things. And it's, and it's, it's fascinating to me. But one of the things I often um, underestimate is the power of atmosphere. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about like how atmosphere is so powerful? You can go into your workplace and then somehow there's, there's a feeling. You, 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 don't, you don't know how to picture it. You don't know how to put words to articulate it. But you see there's, there's something you've come into that, that you just, you're just a part of now. And you, you find yourself being almost not so much constrained, but it finds, you find yourself not being able to do certain things. You find yourself not being able to act in a certain way. You find yourself just kind of being in the mold and the atmosphere. And it's, it's this atmosphere that, that can make it sometimes difficult to be ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, some of us are jokers, some of us are practical jokers, and that works in some atmospheres, some places, some environments, but in other places you're like, maybe I should behave myself, <laughs> they won't like it if I do that too much, and it's, but it's the power of atmosphere. And I spoke last time about revival, and I spoke about how we can see revival in our own lives, we can see revival in our own spheres of influence that we don't have to, we don't have to be limited to the crisis we go to. We can catch something from heaven and then actually be able to walk out in the call that God has called us yeah. to. And this, this, and this this revival that we can walk in. But what happens in the environment? What happens if the things that I want to do, the things that I feel on the inside that are appropriate or, or I say would be beneficial, why is it that sometimes we can't do what's on the inside of us and create it in our yeah. own environment? Yeah. So my message tonight is called the house of revival. The house of revival. And, and simply this, right? Like, I like to put my messages in a sentence because I like to try and be sort of like succinct and to the point and go on a rather revelational journey rather than just throw some thoughts at you. But I'd rather do this in an orderly fashion. So my um, message in a sentence is this. If we want to have a house of revival... And what I mean by revival is it's a, it's a place where we are, our interest is renewed, our passion is renewed, our vigor is renewed. We, we feel motivated to do more things. It's this revival. 
So we, if we want to see revival, we have to create an environment where revival can happen. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, we have to create an environment for it to happen. Like Pastor Kevin spoke on something similar this morning, and I loved what he was saying, and it really goes in tandem with this. If you, if you didn't hear it, I would encourage you to get it. But it is about if we want to see revival, if we want to see things grow, he, we get things in seed form. And when we get things in seed form, we have to understand that climate, soil, everything pertains to seeing the seed crumb to grow a tree, to grow a harvest. So how do we create a house of revival? How do we have an environment where we can see revival and, and people come in by the droves and they just get a hold of God and they, and they see where there's areas in their lives that were weak before and now they know that they can be strong in God. And, and it's like, where can, how can we create an, an environment where people can have that? And that's why I love the book of Acts. It's a journey of how God moves through his disciples. And it's, and it's this, it's a, it's a beautiful journey about how Jesus goes away, but then the work doesn't stop. In fact, it gets sometimes a bit more ridiculous. Like some of them, like, you know, how Jesus said in Mark 16, you will take up serpents, like Paul physically did that. And it's like how these things happen in this, this environment that just exploded and the church was born. And I know and I believe that if we want to see those sort of things happen, the things in, in scripture aren't, aren't um, alien to us, while contextually they may be different, but the, the heart and the, and the um, intention is for us to take these words and be able to impl- apply them into our own lives. So what can we learn from Acts 2? What can we learn from what happened here? And I love how um, Peter preached this sermon and then, and then, um, and then the, the atmosphere just, people were just drawn in and then 3,000 were added. Um, but there's a few keys I'm going to draw from and uh, so then we can together you know, put, put, I guess, language on how we can create this environment. Are you ready to journey with us today? So the first is we, we need an environment of realization. Realization. Now it says this in, um, in Acts 2 in, in verse 40. It says, with many other words, he testified and exhorted to them, be saved from this perverse generation. You know, I'll help you with that in a second. So what happened before this, right? Um, so Peter speaks and then he says this and then this is like the catalyst to, to them launching out and, and then they multiplying by the thousands, literally. But... Um, I remember um, a few years ago, my old manager, um, he, used to, uh, he used to work as a, um, he was an apprentice for this valve company based in Pierhead in Aberdeenshire. And uh, he was telling me this, this one time he was in his workshop and he was, they were, it was like a, like a valve company. So they had his apprenticeships, they had to strip them all down and, and then um, oil them where they had to, paint them and then put them back together. And he was trying to get this mechanism to, to turn, but it wouldn't budge. And he was using like all the wrenches, like all the tools he could, just try and get this thing to budge, and all the colourful language I can you can imagine. But he couldn't get it to shift. And his supervisor was coming along, and then going away doing other things. And then a couple hours later, he came up to him and saying, "So how are you getting on? So oh, I'm not getting this to work. You see this?" And then the man just told him to stop. He's just examining it. Looked under his, looked underneath. He's like, "You see this little grub screw? You have to take this out." So he unscrewed this little grub screw. And then the whole mechanism just began to turn with ease. 
And then my manager's like, he, he was like, what? And then he explained to him, sometimes you have to, if something isn't working, you stop, take a look, you know, spend time to examine it, and then go at it again once you've gotten all the this, um, information you can. But so then my manager's just like, well, why didn't you tell me that like two hours ago? And then he, my, his supervisor's just like, well, you're not going to forget it now. <laughs> and 15 years later, he's telling me this. But it's the thing about realization. You know, I find that in this, in this text, Peter is saying to, um, to the, the crowds, he's saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So there's a realization that what they were in, they had to be saved from and the difference between um, our captivity or our freedom in our endeavors is simply something that we haven't realized yet I've I've found myself in so many ruts and so many ways of thinking and it's like I've been trapped in that but once I found a key once I found you know like like an avenue of hope once I've found that there's actually something greater or how to solve a problem man I'm free from that And there's a freedom that is released when we come to realize that there's something that we had. There's something, mindset that we're thinking, a way of, way of performance or a way of how we process that just wasn't getting us very far. And it's that something that held us in that place of captivity. And here's a realization you may not have, um, may not have um, thought of, but that re- word I use, realization, is really a polite way of saying repentance. Repentance. Probably one of the most common um, exhortations that any prophet is given over through the Bible. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jeremiah, okay, well, we'll get Jeremiah out of the cell. What's he going to say? Repent, okay, put him back in. You know, like, it's repent. It's It's basically change your mind. Change what you're thinking. Change where you're going. When you change where you're going, you'll change the outcome of your life. It's not necessarily about or oh, repent or you're 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 going to um, no you're going to experience the wrath of God or whatever. It's not it's not limited to that. It's about repent because you're not living in fruitfulness. Like you've got so much more available to you. There's so much in you that you can receive. There's so much in you that you can do something with. But you have to turn from that way of thinking because you're trying to you're trying to drill with a wrench. It's not going to work. But if you change the way you're thinking, you'll position yourself to realize the potential and the gifting and the call of God that actually releases life in and through you. We have to realize that there's something we've got to turn with. There's maybe there's something at work that isn't quite functioning the way it ought to function. So we often sometimes need to realize that we need to be saved from our previous way of thinking and accept God's way of thinking. Realization is key to creating a house of revival, a hot house where we can come in and know that we can grow. We have to realize that it's possible. We have to realize there's a way to do it. The second is reception. Reception. In verse 41, it says how who those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. Reception. Because sometimes there's a thing, thing, I guess, 
in society, and I, sp- I spent a lot of time speaking to young Christians, non-Christians, and they approach these questions, things about, they say things about um, no premarital sex, there's things about um, swearing, stealing, and all these things, based from the, the, um, the, the standpoint of, if I do this, can I get? Or, if I do this, what will happen? So they're talking about their, their, um, their behaviors meriting a certain reward. But all it says here is those who gladly received his word were baptized. All you have to do is receive the word and then you are baptized. In other words, you are surrounded, you are immersed, you are, you are sunk into something far bigger than yourself that you don't need to earn, you don't need to, you don't need to qualify for because like, the, like James was saying in the man of sorrows, he, he actually qualified us for it by taking on our transgressions, taking on our sin, taking on our shame and our guilt. He took it so then we, can, he, we are pre-qualified, pre-ordained to receive what God has given us freely in christ now you can clap at that that is pretty good (laughs) freely in christ you receive it and then you are entered into a world that's bigger than yourself as you freely received freely give it's not about you qualifying for it it's actually receiving the qualification that comes from heaven which is justification. You are justified, not by what you do, by what Jesus has done for you. And when you accept the word, when you accept him, you create an environment in your own heart where you can live to a new height that you did before because you were saved from works and you were saved into grace. You are walking in a strength that's not based on what you can qualify for, but rather what you can freely receive. That reception if you have that environment of reception, you know, you know how easy it is to cook for people who are hungry? <laughs> like, I, I, it's so easy to provide for people who are hungry. Like, I mean, every time I come home, I'm always hungry. So is that, yeah, because it's free now. I'm always hungry, so it's very easy for Heidi to cook for me. She's like, what are you in the mood for? I'm like, I don't care. Feed me. <laughs> I say a bit more politely than that. Just like, but... <laughs> But I'm just like, I'll I'll eat anything because I come home, I'm hungry, I'm I'm mentally exhausted, physically exhausted sometimes, I just want to eat. But that's so much easier to be fed when you're hungry. And in these positions, I mean, I've, I've spoken in different environments, environments where people are like, you know, like from the front to back or clapping. And then it's just like on some environments where if I even I fall off the stage, people wouldn't laugh. It's like, it's like, it's just a varying of environments. But when people are really hungry to receive, there's a draw. There's a draw when you're hungry to receive. Like Jesus um, had a, an, a, a run in with a woman who had an issue of blood bleeding for 12 years. So get this, 12 years she had the same issue, but then one of these days, it just took one day, and then she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. If I can but touch. And then she pressed through a crowd, she, she went through all sort of oppositions, and if the, the context will tell you that she shouldn't have done any of those things as a woman, anyone who was ill, but she manages to like, you know, just touch the, the, the fringe of his garment, and then Jesus is like, stopped. Like, who touched me? And Peter's just like, what do you mean who touched you? We're in a crowd. Are you kidding me? Who touched you? Do you want me to name the names? Like, who do you, what do you mean who touched me? But then Jesus said, I perceive that power 
has, or virtue has come out of me. Why? Because there's someone who is wanting to receive. They weren't just here for a show. They weren't just here to get their fill. They're wanting to receive something from God. When they received something from God, there was a shift. There was a reception. There was something that took them, took her from a place of infirmity to a place of freedom. Your faith has made you well, he said. When you're ready to receive, anything is possible. You actually draw on the power of God. And that is amazing. How you can be saved from a generation that's about, you know, earn this, do that to get this. But man, if you just want something from God, you can get it. The house of revival is an environment, a place of reception where it's about grace. It's freely given. It's, It's free to get. You don't have to try, you don't have to strive. You just receive and that's when it flows in your life. It's also an environment of rehearsal. Rehearsal. Now, it's not contrary to my last point, but the truth is our lives are really the summation or the product of our habits. In verse 42, it says that um, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. In other words, it's talking about the teaching that came from the Holy Spirit and Jesus, um, divinely given to the apostles, and then they began to meet together. They shared a common meal together, and um, and then it's also they um, they prayed as well. So there wasn't just wasn't just like you know them in their own time. They prayed as um, a unit, as a body, as almost like almost like one team for the going after the same purpose. And, and that's when they began to draw on the power in their unity. And it was the power of their unity that actually produced that. But they had to practice these things. Now, the thing with rehearsal, right, is it's, um, it's one of those things where you, you sometimes you think if you do something and it fails, what then? Like you, you um, sometimes you... You want to try something and it fails, or you 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 think something's not working. But you know, I found in um, in my um, my athletic career, well, I used to do. If some of you that don't know, I used to do um, mixed martial arts, and one of the things we had to do was like it was a roundhouse kick, and and I had to do it on this large sort of heavy bag. And what I was doing is I was I was using the wrong technique, and I was turning myself like this when I was meant to be kicking with my shin I was kicking with the side of my calf so I did this for for a long long time and I found myself actually getting like like cramps down like cramps down my legs so I couldn't so if I trained for a while I could like hobble but it was down to my technique and my um, my instructor um, who recently passed he said he said practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent It's one of those things that I was practicing the wrong way so that when I walked, I was feeling the pain, but I shouldn't have been doing it if I was doing it right. But when I started to learn and when I started to get the right technique, that's when it began to to become really good at it. And then it began to um, be able to do other things well. But I had to rehearse. I had to practice. I had to um, examine what I was doing and continue steadfastly or, or not to give up on doing the right thing. And that's when it became a habit in my life. But, you know, and that's the that's way we rewire our souls. Yeah. We don't rehearse because we're trying to gain favor. No, we're rehearsing because we're gaining strength. We're gaining yeah. power. And when we rehearse the right things, it becomes like, a, it becomes like an, an automatic. It becomes like an almost innate because we do it without thinking. Yeah. 
And the good news is, if you don't like what you're seeing, you can change what you're doing. You don't like what you're seeing, change what you're doing, and then in that, you begin to rewire your soul. You begin to reroute your life just based on, this is good, so I'm going to do the good things, and then I'm going to walk in this way. It's not about trying to abstain, even though abstination is good and all that sort of stuff. But the focus is, I'm going in this direction. So I'm going to walk in the steps so that are congruent to this direction. I'm going to walk and I'm not going to stop, because I know even though I may trip, even though I may fall, I'm going to continue steadfast and that's why I know I'm going to get the fruit they continued steadfastly in the apostles teaching so they began to rewire their own internal ways of thinking that rehearsal that they began to step into a slipstream of productivity where they can then realize the needs of the people around them because they were praying to for each other and, and you know th- in this point there wasn't any um i guess i guess little gripes or anything in the church <laughs> because with a group of people you can get that but yeah we you know how many people know it's quite hard to be you know a bit angry with the people you're praying for <laughs> it's a bit hard to be you know like get offended by people you're praying with and seeking god with and it's like this unity created a synergy in their lives that actually began to grow through something together. So it's like if they had no need, not emotional, not spiritual, not physical, not actual, not prop, any property or whatever. They all had it because they were praying together and they had all things in common. Which leads me to the next point, which was their relationship. The key to or a key of a house of revival or a place where people can get revival is consistent relationship and like I said they had all things in common (laughs) one thing I've discovered about marriage in my short time of being married is there's a term now which I don't know if we purposely coined it or it just came up it's called the royal we Um, the royal we w-e right Um, (laughs) the royal we so it's just like okay um We've run out of sparkling water, for example. Oh, have we run out of sparkling water? I mean, she has run out of sparkling water. But so it's like, oh, um, I need to go training. And it's like, oh, do you now? But it's like, we, there's a, like, everything we do now, it's like, oh, we're having people around for dinner. It's like, oh, are we having? I didn't know, but we are actually having. So. So then there's a royal we in that, like, there's, we share, we have all things in common. That. Yeah. Her strengths or my wife Heidi's strengths are my strengths, and my strengths are her strengths. My revelation is her revelation. Her, the, her, um, art, her creativity and artisticness is, is become mine, an asset that's useful to me because we have all things in common. Yes. Then we have here in the, in the scripture in verse 45, I believe it is. Yeah, so in verse 44, I'll read from. Now they believed and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided among them all as any had need. And it continues, they continued daily with one accord, remember, unity, synergy, one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. I've always been a firm believer that the church is the hope of the world. Yeah. I've always believed that, you know, we've said to the young adults that we want to build the church because the church is the only thing that builds people. 
every other thing in society is geared to what can I get for me? What can I produce for me? We're, we're going to do this, but only because it has a said return. But the church is like, it's all about people. It's all about transforming communities. It's all about building people up. It's all about seeing the gold that's in you and bringing them to draw it out. And through, through relationship and encouragement, everything about church is about people. And that's what we want to build. We want to build the church. We want to build the organization or the, or the institution that's set up that is like that only thing that builds people's lives. So we want to do that. And these guys had this revelation that if we just have relationship with one another, not only will we build the church, but we'll begin to transform a community. Now, maybe you missed it. I'll just go back again. It says here in verse 47, it said, praising God and having favor with all the people. So what we do here overflows out there. How we operate as a church, how we operate as believers overflows into our workplaces. You know, I've found that I have very rarely had to instigate instigate conversations about faith. Very, very rarely have I had to do it. In fact, most of that's generally speaking, my mantra is to let the life and let what God is doing in me overflow and it'll actually draw attention. It'll draw intrigue. It will inspire questions. And that is what happens more often than not, that, that, that what God's done in me is so contagious that some, an onlooker who, who doesn't go to church, who doesn't have any background of faith will say, what is it about your life? What do you do on a Sunday? You know, like, I, I love how you've, you know, how you've been in your relationship with Heidi. That's so, that's so cool. I mean, why is it, how is it that, that, that you do that? I mean, that is so amazing. And it's like something that I do that's internal to me that actually speaks volumes far louder than any words that I can say. And it's that favor with all people that they praise God and had favor with all people. The house of revival, the church is is not just destined for these four walls, it's destined to transform communities. It's destined to go further than we can think of in a Sunday Sunday service. It actually goes into our workplaces on a Monday. And I love this. And and actually, um, when um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but this is just so awesome. But this is is how good the the promises that God has for us. And um, in verse 37, um, Peter is asked what shall I do and then he said this repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord God will call your promises your relationship with God your relationship with each other isn't just for you it's for your families it's for the people you know It's for the people that you may not even know just now. What you have in God, what you have just now is a a seed for the future. It's a seed for someone else's eternity. It's a seed for someone else's eternity. And when when you get that, man, you'll live an eternal purpose. Because yeah, eternity is coming. We'll be there soon. But before we're there, there's a community to transform. 
there's a community that, that has people that are hurting, has people that don't know Jesus, has people that need that seed of hope in their life. And they can come in here and receive that seed. And I, it's my prayer, my, my declaration, this is a house where people can come in to receive that freedom in Christ. People can receive that so then they can know that there's more in them. Yeah. And they know this, or rather we walk in this because of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. This was all preceded by the Holy Spirit falling on people like you and I. No different qualifications, nothing like that. They were just ordinary people who met an extraordinary God. Wait here and you will receive power. Not just in your city, but in your, in your region. Not just in your region, but to the ends of the earth. It's the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in something bigger than yourself. It's the Holy Spirit, the very person of God who fills your life and you you begin to do things that aren't naturally possible, but they're supernaturally possible. You begin to have insight that isn't naturally attainable, but supernaturally attainable. You begin to speak in things that aren't naturally possible, but they're supernaturally possible. I can have the keys... Um, up. That'd be great. Thank you, Caroline. You begin to enter a world where things, you don't think of just natural things. You enter a supernatural space, a reality where there's things that you, you can't even explain, but you've received them. That there's things that you don't understand, but you know them. Truths that can be downloaded into you. Pictures of your future you can see today by the Holy Spirit, who's many gifts, but also with many fruits. Now he can give you a love beyond all kinds of love. He can give you a joy in all kinds of circumstance, peace in any situation, a kindness that goes beyond your personal perceived conventions. So much that he's given to you by the power of his Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you're baptized into a world of greatness. Great influence, great possibilities, great dreams. And Joel 2.28 says, in these days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. It goes beyond you. And this, this is a generational promise as well. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't only fill your life, but impacts those around you as well. The Holy Spirit may fill your life, but it's to overflow from your life. It's a river of living water. This river living water doesn't have banks that can be uh, that can be restrained, but it's but it's so it's so porous and so outpouring that it's generous in all it does. It's it's exuberant in all it does. It's excellent in all it does. It's it's perfect in all it does because it's the power of God working through your life. It's through your life. In verse 45, said that many signs and wonders, they were all filled with fear, and that's reverence. And, and this is, I love this. Actually, sorry, it was um, verse 43. Um, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They were done through the apostles, not by, 
But the, the wording there is so key because that's how we step into it. You don't have to be an apostle to do any of these things. They were done through. In other words, whatever I do in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not me doing it. I am the pathway for it. We are the pathway for God to move in this city, in this church, in our lives. We are a pathway. It doesn't start with us, and it's not designed to end with us. It, we receive power, and then we exert it. We, we impart it. We give it through our love. We show people boldness, and we show that we are not going to be restrained by, by, um, by, the, by the society. And we are not scared of the same things that society is scared of, because we have a power that's different. We have a power that's greater. We have a life that is is far more generous because of the God we're connected to. In that connectivity then starts our flow. And it's that point where I believe people are going to be set free tonight. It's in the context of relationship where we can actually connect to flow freely. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.